Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Very good evening. Welcome to the Macca's Run. I hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can. However you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in, it's all for Maccas. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. Great to have you on board this evening. A couple of hours to spend with you, uh, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us. You can always call us on 1300-736-736 on the Harcourts open line. You'll move your Harcourts for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts or you can text in at any stage. 0433981116 on the temper text line. Temper a mattress like no other. Plenty to get through uh, over the next hour of the Macca's run. We'll be bringing you up to speed on all the major stories of the day and conversation points from across the station and through the sporting world. And you can have your say on the news of the day by calling that Harcourt's open line, 1300 736 736. Special guest at 6.30 tonight. Uh, we're going to take a bit of a different direction after Bobby Hill, it was announced by the go, uh, by the uh, Greater Western Sydney Giants that he had um, been diagnosed with testicular cancer uh, over the weekend. He's joining Ben Cunnington and also Sam Doherty, um, who has returned Sam Doherty from his second uh, diagnosis and treatment for testicular cancer. Ben Cunnington going through treatment at the moment. Bobby Hill now about to go into treatment. Uh, 2017, Jesse Hogan and Robbie Gray um, had a variation of that same cancer. I thought we'd speak to a man who back in 2012 was diagnosed with testicular cancer and then came back to play football. He reached 100 games. Sam Rowe uh, is going to be our special guest, former Carlton, uh, former Blue, former Saint. Uh, Just to get his insights on not only just his journey, but um, what is what the other players that we've just mentioned might be experiencing. So looking forward to catching up with Sam Rowe a little later on in the show. Um, Essendon, the major conversation point from across the day. Before we get to Paul Brasher, who spoke to Jared Waitley earlier on, and you can hear that full chat at sen.com.au. It was announced last night, uh, Paul Brasher in a video to Essendon members, that they would be conducting a review of the football department. The reaction today uh, on SEN before he came on is where we'll start. And uh, this was Gary Lyon on SEN Breakfast earlier today. This is where I get a bit stuck. So Xavier's been reappointed. He's the right man for the job, Mm. right? So, okay, good. Xavier is pivotal to all the appointments that have now led to this massive internal review. Can you make some sense of that? So on the one hand... I can understand. Xavier's our man, and he's there, and this is great, and he's our CEO. Everything's going well, but... Yeah, but we're going to review everything that you've put in place in the past two, three, four, five years. That's what I struggle with right now. I go, okay, well, if you've done such a, if you've done such a great job and you, you, he's your man, why are you now going out and doing an internal review? And why is it internal? 
That was Gary Lyon, SEN Breakfast, earlier today. So it's their second review in less than two years of their footy department. And the review doesn't include the man that put, as Gary Lyon said, most of the pieces in that football department together in CEO Xavier Campbell, who did have his contract extended uh, of recent times. Tim Watson, uh, as you'd expect, being one of Essendon's greatest ever players and a club legend, um, had several points to make this morning. Uh, Patience. Patience when this happens and a club hasn't performed over a long period of time is in short supply. And that's exactly what Essendon are confronting now. I think the club has been dragged to this. I think that there's been so many people that have been upset and disappointed with the season so far against what they said a couple of weeks ago about conducting this. We're just drinking conviction. That's right. I think now they're saying, okay, we have to do something. We've got so many people there that are disenfranchised, Essen supported, which is fair enough. There are a lot of angry Essen fans out there. They're disappointed in what they're seeing. I don't want to go straight to you know, sacking Ben Rutten because of what's going on. But you have asked questions about the coaching in the past. And that is, that is he, I think he should be given time to fix that and show that he can fix that. Right. right? So he's, he's only into the second year of a coaching appointment, his first job at the highest level. He's a rookie-style coach. Yep. He is making errors that young, inexperienced coaches make along the way. But as we've seen with even Al Clarkson the first couple of years that yeah. he coached at Hawthorne, he made errors as well. He was given time then to rectify those because they backed him as the coach that he actually became. So I'm not at that point yet where you'd be saying, OK, let's get rid of the coach and find another coach for the club. No, I'm not at that point. Tim Watson earlier today on SEN to hear the full chat, sen.com.au to catch up on the podcast. Nathan Buckley in his uh, Tuesday morning slot with Jared Whiteley uh, gave his view. Because he'll be a big part of that review. Yeah. And he's not just him being reviewed, but his, his thoughts and, and his, um, his reality and his experiences being a part of collecting the information to make the right decisions going forward. Nathan Buckley and Ben Rutten being a major part of that review. Like, I think any development, any, next, any, any um, growth of any substantial or significant kind comes from self-assessment. So we do it, we could do it individually. You can do it as a, as a little unit within a, within a big club. So maybe a team or a, a conditioning team or a um, medical team, a list management or recruiting team. Um, or you can, or you have to know yourself as a, as a club. Um, so I think there's some self-reflection that's going to take place here. And Nathan Buckley with Jared Whateley earlier on this morning, Paul Brasher, uh, from the Essendon Footy Club, did uh, have a chat with Jared Whateley uh, today. And I'm going to bring you as much of that uh, as we can for Essendon fans. And I'd like to know from you, if you are an Essendon fan, what's the questions that you'd like asked? I've got a few, but I'd like to hear from you. What are the questions that you'd like answered as part of this review? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Harcourt's open line. You'll move your Harcourt. 433 uh, off the temper text, temper a mattress like no others. Um, Paul Brasher uh, had this to say about why he's confident that uh, Essendon uh, can achieve success. Well, I'd probably take a bit of issue with you. And I, I know I'm, if, as I do this, I'm risking being seen to make excuses. But you, know, you think about where we, we got to. We were terrible 2020, big improvement in 21, made the eight. Everybody's up and about. So we roll into 2021. And in the first 11 weeks, we played, uh, I think it was the whole of the top six from last year, a couple of others that are likely to be up there this year. Six to eight of our top 22 missing every single week. And importantly, most of them being the hard bodies and experienced forwards that we had. 
we've got a list that's the, the youngest pretty much every week in terms of experience. And I just think you go through those names of, of the, the people we've got, I think you see the future. You know, I, I, yes, we, we certainly don't want to be two and nine. You'll see an improved performance in the second half of the year. But it hasn't changed my faith in the fact that we've got a team that over the next two to three years can be a premiership team. It's a massive statement, isn't it? Essendon President Paul Brasher believes that in the next two to three years, Essendon will be a premiership contender. He was asked by Jerry Waitley if he was backing in Coach Ben Rutten. You speak of that journey to becoming a premiership contender in two to three years. Are you absolutely certain that's with Ben Rutten as your coach? Yes, Yep, I believe Ben is a is the you know he's what is he thirty five or something? I think he's he is. Uh, I think he'll have a long career as a coach and be a very successful one. I've spoken to Ben. I mean, I speak to Ben probably twice a week, and the comments that I made yesterday were were very similar to what I said prior to the Hawthorne game, whenever that was a few weeks ago. And uh, you know, I certainly spoke to Ben after that. I, I don't think Ben feels threatened by by this process. I don't believe that they should see it as threatening. I think they should see it as actually a potential positive to help them to, to you know, do their jobs even better than what they're doing now. So, um, yeah, we need to talk to them and make them allow them to understand exactly what the, the purpose is. But I don't believe that they will feel threatened. I think you've quoted the St Kilda example. I think that's probably a pretty good one of, of how I would see this uh, possibly playing out. People will have views and, you know, they'll, they'll judge us uh, on what they think the actions are, I suppose. But, and I'm not going to, clearly we're not going to please everybody, nor should we. You know, we, all we can do is say, we, we're going to do what we think is right. Um, you tend to get you know, half a dozen emails and, and you shouldn't assume that that's necessarily representative. I think people will understand this is a build and that's what we're doing. We're working progress and we'll keep working through it. Review is one of these words that takes on a kind of mystical significance that, uh, you know, you're going to turn the place upside down and, uh, and get rid of uh, most of the people in it. What I said was that we're looking at every aspect of our, our football program and examining how we can improve it, not just for the second half of this year to improve from what we're, none of us are happy with, but more importantly in some ways to make sure we can realise the potential of the group of players we've got. Essendon President Paul Brasher spoke to Jerry Whateley earlier today explaining the review and then was asked about why they're not conducting an external review given that they did their own internal review uh, less than two years ago. I've seen a lot of them over the years in, in other organisations and often people go for the external review because they don't think they've got the resources internally to be able to really sort things out and understand the situation or because they've already made their decisions and they're looking for somebody to, you know, give them cover. So I, I don't think we're, we're certainly not in either of those two positions. Paul Brasher, and also he explained why they've stuck with Xavier Campbell and extended his deal. He's brought in, you know, I think you've got to look at the team that he's put together in terms of Josh and Ben. Uh, he works closely with them. He is somebody who, who drives performance in all parts of the business and you know I know that may sound counterintuitive given that we're 9 and 11 but he does and he's got very clear expectations on where we want to get to he understands football he understands the club and then you know you go outside football to the broader aspects I don't think anybody would would doubt that he's probably the, the best commercial CEO in the competition and still 
the architect of the football success that's coming in your eyes. Correct. Paul Brasher on why CEO Xavier Campbell uh, has had his deal extended. And interesting that he referenced a team he's put together, but that seems to be the very team that he's about to be reviewed again. So it is slightly curious. He also spoke about uh, their recruiting and why he believes that they can be strong at recruiting and drafting. Well, I actually got attacked for that this morning by somebody who told me I was conceding defeat by suggesting we might have a high draft pick. But... uh, (laughs) I think it's going to be okay, and we will have salary cap space and free agency. And, you know, you look at Adrian and you look at where we are at the moment, um, the players on that list, I think in the last three years, anyone would look at it and say he's he's pulled off some some really, really impressive feats. You know, Jones, Perkins, Cox-Reed. They're the sort of obvious ones, but um, he has shown an ability to pluck out um, uh, hidden gems. Nick Martin, um, Peter Wright, Sam Durham, Nick Hind. So I, I think, you know, I'm, the listen recruiting team, I think, deserves a, a lot of credit for that. Essendon President Paul Brasher, you can hear the full chat with Jerry Whateley today, SEN.com.au or on the SEN app to listen to the podcast. Well worth it. Um, I asked you, what are the questions that you'd like to have answered if you're an Essendon fan? one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourts open line, you'll move your Harcourts. Or even if you're not an Essendon fan but you keep a close eye on the Bombers, what are the questions you'd like answered? Mick McGuan, who I spoke to last night, has pointed the finger at players' unwillingness to accept a role, to be selfless, uh, to execute a role that they're given. Uh, talked about ego running the show uh, in terms of the playing group. And there were some questions that I reckon I'd like answered. Um, if I was uh, just was able to put my hand up and throw a few out there, we hear a lot about a hard edge and we've heard a lot about wanting to be uh, a strong defensive team. So with that in mind, these are a few of the questions I'd like answered and, and I'd be squaring these right at the playing group and right at the coaching group. Why are you last in tackles in the competition despite being only 10th in disposal? So if you're not winning the ball, you're not even halfway along that statistical category you're not winning the ball. Why aren't you leading the competition in tackles? What does that say about the playing group when you're only 10th for disposals, but you are last in tackles? So you don't have the ball, but you're not doing anything physically to get it back either. Why are we 10th for disposals, but 16th for contested possessions? So again, hard edge, but 16th for contested possessions. Why are we conceding the third most points in the competition, despite saying we're a defence first team? Why are we 15th for tackles inside 50? Why are we 14th for inside 50s? In fact, when it comes to inside 50s, why are we 5th in the competition for centre clearances but 14th for inside 50s? Where are we going when we get the ball? These are questions I would ask if I was part of the Essendon Footy Club uh, and part of this review. And why are we 18th for pressure when we keep talking about a hard edge? What does that say about us when we are 18th in the competition for pressure? yet 10th for disposals. What are we doing when we don't have the ball? So the question to the coaches and the question to the players is, is the game plan wrong or are you as players just not buying in? Where is the disconnect? And why is this happening? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Daniel's on the road. G'day, Daniel. G'day, mate. How are you going? Good. Thanks for waiting. Uh, what have you got for me? Yeah, so I'll, I'll preface this. I'm actually not an Essendon supporter. Uh, I'm a Carlton supporter, so I do take a keen eye in the Bombers for reasons that are not following them. But 
Um, as a car importer, I went through the review last year and uh, with good reason, it's led to a lot of good success for us. Um, we probably needed it for different reasons than the bombers do, but the, my, my theory is, is that I just don't understand why they need to have a public review. Uh, their president is saying that you know their coach is going to lead them for a long time. They've got a list that can be in a premiership contention the next two, three years. Uh, you know, Dodoro is the right man for the job. Um, and all of their assistant coaches, they're highly regarded and, and new to their program. So from my perspective, I think that just using the word review publicly instantly creates a media storm for them. Uh, it's going to cause angst with their fans and potentially more issues. And if they are backing in their coach and their players and their staff um, based on last year's success, maybe they just need to internally realise that this year hasn't gone to plan and understand what's gone wrong. But I just think putting it on you know, a public perspective isn't going to do anything positive for them if they're just assuming that they've got the right pieces in place. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I just think that making it public can only make it a negative thing. Oh, Daniel, I think you raised some, some great questions. Um, I think that that's, a, as Tim Watson said earlier, that's a response to the growing unrest amongst the Bombers fans. Why is this happening? We need some answers. But I just do find it curious. So we're fully backing everybody in, but we're going to review them nonetheless. Uh, and I know that that part of that is looking at what else can we add in terms of support for them and what else do they need. Um, but there are a couple of things that are slightly just don't seem to match up, um, not casting aspersions at the footy club, but it is strange to say that we're backing everybody in and everyone's going to stay in their jobs. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're still going to review everybody and their jobs. Uh, John's in Keelor. Or maybe that's just very, very good management to continue to uh, review people. Um, you might have that in your workplace where you're constantly getting uh, regular reviews. It could be a good thing. Who knows? Uh, John's in Keelor. G'day, John. Yeah, how you going? Um, yeah, I'm an Essendon supporter. Um, I think Brasher is absolutely kidding himself. I think the obvious and glaring problem at the Bombers is the way they've been coached. The amount of uncontested possessions that opposition teams seem to get in our back line is ridiculous. It's so obvious that we haven't got a back line. The only real defender that we've got back there, genuine defender, is Jordan Ridley. So Adrian Dodoro um, has been looking at this back line for the last couple of years. They're all makeshift defenders. They're all either midfielders or forwards in their previous life. Yeah, we didn't go out and recruit any um, established defenders. Uh, the other thing, um, surely Ben Rutten can, uh, can see what everyone else in the world is seeing, that we're not marking up. If our game plan is to be attacking and, and, and free-flowing and moving forward quickly with the ball, why is it that our midfielders can't get back to cover the runners from the opposition side? Because the amount of times, just on the weekend, Port Adelaide players receive the ball mm. and mark the ball without an opposition player anywhere to be seen, no incident defender there, is, is absolutely appalling. It's, it's the worst coaching debacle that I've seen in the 40 years that I've been following the Essendon Football Club. They've gone backwards at 100 miles an hour rather than going forwards. And this, this excuse about we've got injuries and you know our forward line's missing, mate, take a look at the, the, the back line. Take a look at the lack of interest mm. and... Uh, coercion in our midfield yep. and, and stop making bloody excuses. 
Hey, uh, yeah, and, and John, thank you. I love the passion. Absolutely love the passion. I didn't even bring up, I've mentioned their forward line, four out of their top five goal kickers um, have barely played or just have not played from last year. So I'm with you. I don't think the forward line's the issue. There's much, much bigger issues. And I don't think it all falls squarely at the feet of the coaches, by the way. In t- you, you can't coach effort. You can't coach intensity and application. Uh, that's a big question that needs to be answered as well. Uh, quickly, uh, on the other side of this, we'll keep taking your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Maccas run. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. SEN. Welcome to the Maccas run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. Uh, a room full of actors uh, gave Will Smith a standing ovation and an Oscar when he slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. Buddy Franklin hoping a room full of three jurors gives him a reprieve of his one-match suspension. Uh, that challenge has been moved to Wednesday. The Swans have asked for a bit of extra time, so the tribunal will sit tomorrow night. The intentional low-impact, high-contact uh, MRO decision that gave Buddy Franklin a week for the hit on Trent Cotchin will be decided tomorrow night. Uh, Pete's in Paran wants to talk about the Bombers and a question he wants answered as part of the review. G'day, Pete. Sam, thanks for taking the call. Love the show. Thank you. Um, yeah, my, my question would be more around uh, some commentary that uh, Mr. Bash, Brasher made, uh, which you didn't play, which is around the style of football that he says they're going to play. And my question would be... Yeah, the hard edge. Yes, but yep. my question would be... Is this his opinion? Sorry. Sorry about that. Keep going, Pete. Sorry, that's mate. Right. Yeah, that's okay. My question would be, is this his opinion or is it the outcome from a discussion with the head coach? Because my, my uh, opinion is that if it's his perspective, then all everything else that he said about, oh, we're only doing this review to assist the players, means, uh, you know, that he's, that's not uh, correct. Um, if he has a, a different opinion from the coaching staff about the game, that Essendon should be playing. Yeah, I hear, I hear what you're asking, uh, and it's a good question to ask, uh, and so a good nomination. Hey, we've got to come back on the other side of this. Uh, keep taking your calls. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Welcome back or to the Macca's Run, whichever category uh, fits you best. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today with special sauce and juicy beef. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. one 736 736 the number to call to have your say on the news of the day as we bring you up to speed on the Macca's Run of the news of the day, your move, your Harcourts. We've been speaking about the Bombers, the uh, internal review that's about to get underway, and I'm asking you what questions you'd like answered. Uh, if you could just pop your hand up in that review and uh, put forward a question you'd like answered. Paul from Croydon. G'day, mate. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, Sam. Pleasure. Um, I I think most of the blame has to fall on the players. Um, we've got a pretty new coaching team around Rutten so far this year, it can take time for new game plans to implement. But, you know, I think we're a bottom six side. I thought we were last year. But last year, we made the finals through our pressure. And if you look at a lot of the games, our pressure rating was always really high. That's not on the coaching team. That's not on the players themselves, regardless of how many games they've played. And the question I'd ask uh, Brasher is 
you think you're going to get there in two, three years. If you're going to do that by trying to get big established players, that's just short-term gain. I would rather they put in a five-year plan, started going to the draft, because we have deficiencies in our forward line. Mm. We don't have height. Our best forward's not there. Our midfield are all the same. You know, when Stringer's not in there, we don't have that big body that can crush through. And our defenders, I think they're, they are a bit undersized. And these people who say, oh, we've got forwards playing back there, that happens all the time. Um, I think we just need, um, you know, Stephen Mates don't grow on trees, but we need a, a big, solid defender. Now, they're not going to come to us if we don't start building a, a really solid list around that. So that would be my question to him. Why, you know, how are you going to do it? Are you going to go and bring players in? Or are you going to look long-term and maybe take a bit more pain, get some good young players in, and these people that ever had a go at Dorio, last year they thought he was a god. Um, he's picked up some very good players. Yeah. Um, if he goes to the draft for the next two, three years and continues to get the quality that he is, sure, it doesn't take long to turn around. And we do have a very young team. Yep. And in three years' time, these kids that have come in the last few years, they've been playing five years. Yep. No, good questions, Paul, and I appreciate them. You make some great points, and thank you for bringing up to do so. Uh, just a couple off the text. Sam Rowe standing by. I'm not an Essendon fan, but the pres- if the president thinks the list manager, coach, and CEO are all doing a good job, then what is, the re- point of, what is the point of the review? And then on the flip side of that, Dan says, why does a review have to end with terminations? A review is feedback to allow the right people to grow, and that's a great point made by Dan. Another question, why isn't Perkins and Hobbs and the Young Brigade getting more time in the middle? Farcical stuff running Shield and Smith through the middle who aren't bona fide when we could be developing guys like Perkins more. That's from Jimmy on the road. Uh, and the question I ask is, how is such a big, powerful and rich club so bad for so long? Michael in Blackburn. And then this one from Rod. My question, can we t- stop talking about Essendon, please? Hey, Rod, your wish is my command. I wanted to change directions. Um, I, I think uh, we all would have seen the press release come out from uh, GWS Giants uh, over the weekend that Bobby Hill is the latest in a growing line of players to be diagnosed with testicular cancer. We know that North Melbourne's Ben Cunnington is still away from the game, uh, away from playing, uh, going through his treatment for testicular cancer. Um, we know that Sam Doherty is just the most motivational and inspiring story of the season. His second bout of testicular cancer he's returned from um, and is playing career-best footy and um, inspires week in, week out with the courage he's showing, not only to be playing, but the way in which he was playing uh, is as courageous as I've ever seen in the way he's just throwing his body um, into everything. Jesse Hogan, Robbie Gray in 2017. So I thought we'd um, get a man who probably, from my recollection, was the first player that, that we knew about publicly that had gone through this battle. Uh, Sam Rowe from Wodonga was rookie listed by the Swans in 2006. He was delisted at the end of 07, spent four seasons at Norwood, and at the same time did his apprenticeship as a chippy. He got a second chance with the Blues, pick 44 in the 2011 draft, and just when he thought that all that hard work uh, had paid off, another roadblock and a stumbling block occurred. Early 2012, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, a great lesson for us all to make sure we are all getting checked, which is something men really just don't do. So if you have to get your Jats crackers looked at, please make sure you do. But just to pick it up from there and tell us his story and give us his thoughts on what these guys are, are going through at the moment. Sam Rowe has been good enough to jump on. 100 games uh, with Carlton and then the one to get to 100 with St Kilda. Sam, thanks so much for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. No worries, Sam. Good to be on the show. Mate, pick it up from there. The day that 
you were diagnosed in 2012, as I said, you've gone through so much just to get another chance uh, to be on a list, and then this happens. Yeah. Oh, look, oh, it was an absolute com- complete shock, of course. Um, I think anyone who, you know, like testicular cancer is a young man's disease, so typically everyone's young, they're fit, they're healthy, or, you know, so you think. And, um, look, it was certainly a shock um, to me and nothing that, you know, I didn't know anything about testicular cancer. Um, I didn't feel sick. Um, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. So, um, like I'm sure that any other boys or um, anyone else that's been through similar things, it's yeah, it's definitely a shock at the start. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the second um, most diagnosed cancer between men 20 to 39. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's basically the stat. So... Um, look, I've certainly learned a lot about testicular cancer over the years now, and um, it, it is a young man's disease. So um, I think once you get into your late 30s, the chances of um, getting testicular cancer um, really do drop right off. So, um, look, it's it's another reminder that um, we're not bulletproof, and I was certainly, you know, when I was diagnosed, I was 24. Um, as you said, just got the second chance at AFL and, you know, it was on top of the world, seemingly, I thought, you know, I was, you know, giving, giving it everything to have this uh, second crack at AFL and was, you know, pushing really hard for that. So um, I was very naive. Um, I certainly didn't think there was anything wrong with me and I, you know, delayed, you know, actually getting it checked from when I first felt a, a hard lump in one of my testicles to, to actually seeing the club doctor. I, you know, I waited about a month, which in, you know, in real terms is not all that long, but... Um, mm. You know, this time doesn't have to be. Um, you know, you know, no one should be waiting um, with just by thinking that you know we're young and, and we're invincible. Really, talk us through what you then had to go through in terms of treatment and recovery. Um, well, the first um, thing that happens with testicular cancer is surgery. So everyone always gets it removed, um, which you know. So that's the first thing that always happens. So testicle goes um, and then you go through then they, they basically test it again and they you know there's different types there's different grades of testicular cancer so depending on what um, exact type it is they will set out a treatment plan which you know can be um, that can just be it so sometimes people can just have surgery and they think that um, the chances of it coming back are quite slim um, but for me it was um, you know they sort of gave me the odds, um, you know, approximate odds really, of there's about a 20% chance to come back in the first 12 months if I didn't get chemo, um, and that was too much for me. So um, I certainly wanted to uh, not have that hanging over my head, so um, I certainly opted for the chemo um, treatment path. So that was uh, that was six weeks, so mm. two cycles of um, treatment in, in hospital. And um, look, that was pretty tough, obviously, chemo's... It's not, um, you know, not a nice thing to have done to you. So, but look, that's that was you know the toughest part of the treatment, definitely um, in hospital. And uh, like to be honest, it was harder for I, I I thought it was harder for my family and you know, my wife and stuff seeing me being sick, and and then also seeing all the other people in in the oncology wards is is not a great um, place to be, but. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty tough on all your family and, and friends as well because mm. it's you know they're probably there quite quite helpless really. They, everyone wants to help and um, and try to make it better, um, but 
Um, it's just one of those things you've got to go through sometimes. I would imagine that at that stage, and especially in the initial stages of your treatment, footy off, you know, falls way back in, in your priority list. And, and I would have thought at that moment that getting that elusive debut that eluded you with two years on the rookie list at the Swans and then a four-year wait with Norwood, um, I reckon that would have been the furthest thing from your mind. But when, when, <laughs> Look, yeah, yeah. when did it when did it start to creep up in your priority list and and you started to make a a a, a plan to come back and, and to try again? Oh, look, pretty quickly, and I think um, I think it was really healthy to have um, an ambitious goal. And I, I think Doc, like I remember speaking to. Sam Doherty as well, and um, when he was just sort of starting it, and he's like, oh, you know, I want to get back from round one, and everyone sort of thinks that's it, really ambitious. You know, it's not probably not going to happen, but um, I think it's really healthy to have that goal. Um, so, look, I, I think, I can't remember exactly when, you know, I, I flicked back into, 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 you know, the mode of wanting to, um, you know, try and be successful in footy again, but it was pretty quickly, it was during treatment. You know, I was definitely... I wanted to get the treatment as quickly as I, as I could to um, make sure that it was gone. Um, and then my focus really quickly did go back to trying to make the most of this opportunity that I had um, playing footy. So then, you know, all of my effort um, and thought process tried to, you know, I tried to focus on footy and do just give myself every chance that I could that, um, you know, if it didn't work out that, um, you know, I'd be comfortable that I gave everything I could. When you first step foot back into that exercise mode, I'm not aware of what I'm aware of is just how much physically and mentally it takes out of people to go through chemotherapy from the stories that I've listened to. Um, how much weight had you lost and how do you remember that first attempt at exercise and, and how, how far away did it feel um, even to, yeah. to be able to complete that, let alone uh, get in uh, and play footy again? Oh, look, I do. I, I actually put on weight, funnily enough, during okay. chemo. Like, I, I didn't get... Um, I was lucky in a sense that I didn't get really physically, like, ill. Um, like, you know, some people can get really nauseous and, um, you know, struggle to eat. But I luckily didn't get many of those symptoms, which was good. So, look, I was extremely unfit. I didn't... Um, I can remember I I got blood clots and stuff from the having the, the lines in your veins for so long. So I had the blood clots, so I had to... Um, yeah, basically not do anything and be on dinners for another, I think, few months following the treatment and stuff as well. So, you know, I basically didn't exercise for six months. So, uh, I remember, I do remember going for a jog back at the footy club, and you know, everyone's watching, gives you a, a good cheer, and that, that, you know, certainly gives you that. That first run was was pretty good when that first effort was really good when everyone was clapping and watching, and then as soon as everyone looked away, I think I basically killed over and. Um, struggle to get in any breath but um look it's in some sense it's uh, in footy it's it's good because you have so many great resources around you so mm. we tried to treat it treat it like a long-term injury and you know your health is being monitored by the doctors um you know pretty closely but then um you basically just start to build your body back up with all the fitness stuff and you know, it's a slow, it's a slow burn, definitely at the start. But um, yeah, they, you know, everyone just gauges your body, and you gauge your body yourself, and push yourself as much as you possibly can. And um, I think in footy and in AFL, especially, you have to learn to push yourself as hard as you possibly can. And 
you know, those sort of things are another challenge that, you know, I sort of learned over the time that I, I like challenges. So that was certainly one of the biggest ones that I've had over my time, but it was a good one to, to attack, really. Speaking to Sam Rowe on the Maccas run, uh, former Blue, former Saint, uh, 100 AFL games. Uh, it took over six years uh, to get there after his first taken by Sydney onto their rookie list uh, about a testicular cancer in 2012, and he's come back from that. Sam, have you had much to do with Sam Doherty in, in his two bouts, or Ben Cunnington or, or Bobby Hill? As I said earlier, Jesse Hogan had surgery um, uh, in May of a couple of years, in 2017, to have a a lump removed, and I think uh, Robbie Gray may have gone through something similar. Have you had anything to do with any of those guys? Yeah, look, I have. Look, I'm um, good mates with Sam Doherty, obviously from um, my playing days as well. So I certainly um, was in touch with him. Definitely throughout his treatment, and um, look, I'm really proud of the way he's come back from his footy, and I was never really too surprised that. Um, that he would come back and be successful. Um, I'm, you know, everyone probably, I probably thought that it might have taken a little bit longer to get back, but knowing the character that he is, um, I wasn't surprised how hard he worked and um, how driven he is. And I'm really glad to see him playing some bloody good footy at the moment. But um, yeah, look, I definitely, I did touch base to a couple of those guys um, in the early days of their treatment. And um, what I have enjoyed is throughout all of this, not just in footy, but you know, you get people reach out um, all over the place, you know, normal people that reach out um, and just touch bases and, you know, tell their story. They might be just, as good, you know, starting their cancer journey as well. So it's been nice to be able to just, uh, um, you know, share my, you know, my experiences with other people because I think it is... Um, it's calming and it's nice to just to speak to someone who's been through similar things, I think, especially mm. in those early stages where your head's spinning a fair bit and you don't quite know what you're going to be expecting. And, you know, and you know, the cancer's a scary word, obviously. But um, so it, it has been, I've, I have enjoyed um, just getting to know various people um, and, you know, touching base with them throughout all their, um, you know, their cancer journeys as well. How blown away are you by what Sam Doherty in particular has been able to do, not once but twice now, and, and the way in which, you know, I know that, as I said, footy's very much secondary to our, our lives and to our health, but from a sporting point of view to see he's probably in career-best form, which is just extraordinary and incredibly yeah. um, just a beggar's belief. But what have you made of it? Oh, it, it is very special. Like, seriously, it's um, for, for him to come back, so quickly from his chemo number one to recover so quickly and then for his form to be so strong it is an incredible effort and I don't think um, you know I'm not, I don't think anyone is underestimating it but it is just for him to be so consistent um, in his in his return has been amazing um, but I mean I'm not surprised um, by the amount of effort and work that he's put in to get himself there because you know it, he was a previous captain of the club and, you know, clearly still a leader of that club as well. And that was, everyone respected his leadership because of his work rate and his desire to, to be the best himself. And he's, and he's always tried to make the team better. So, um, it really is, it's, it's still inspirational for me to, to see him do that, even though, you know, I'm certainly not playing any, anymore, but, um, I'm really, really happy to see him going so well. And I, and no doubt there'd be, um, so there'd be Bobby Hill, 
um, seeing how well Doc's going now. You know, Ben Cunnington is still going through it, obviously, at the moment. But not just AFL. Like, and I'm sure Doc's had plenty of people reach out to him. He would be an inspiration to other um, ordinary people. I say, I say ordinary people, not... Oh, no, you know, you know, non-athlete, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Other people going through life mm. um, that would be going through the same things as what Doc's gone through, and they'll, they'll see that as absolute inspiration to um, achieve what they want in life as well. And I think um, sometimes, I, I think, I don't know whether Doc would realise that um, completely at the moment, but um, I hope he does, and I hope he um, at some stage sort of sits back and realises what he's done will will be helping other people enormously. So I think he'd be extremely proud of what he's been able to do and I'm not saying he's finished, but like he'll he'll get he'll get better. I know he'd be really driven to be a premiership player and I hope the Baggers get there this year. That'd be very good. Um but no, I'm I'm really, really proud of Doc and what he's been able to achieve since he's come back. Hey Sam, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your insights and just uh retelling your story with us. Um, I think it's an important one, an important one for anyone with any health concern, but when it comes to this one in particular, if you've got a concern, go and just check it out with your GP. Uh, the sooner you get onto these things, the better off you are. Mate, thanks so much for being with us. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Sam Rowe, uh, what a good man. It's a, it's an incredible story, and uh, just with more and more players uh, being diagnosed with that particular form uh, of cancer, uh, you know, we've got Sam Doherty has come back the way that he has. Bobby Hill over the weekend. Ben Cunnington still being treated. It is the second most common cause uh, of cancer for men 20 to 39. So if you're listening and you've got an issue, make sure you do go and get it checked. Uh, this is the Maccas run. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. Back to tidy up with a little bit of a little bit more loose end news uh, on the other side of this. Welcome to the Maccas run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, great to have your company on the Macca's run. Uh, thanks to those who have texted through after the Sam Rowe interview. That interview made my day. Uh, 769. Sam just tuned in. How did he know he had testicular cancer? Were there signs or did he just get diagnosed? He found a lump, uh, Cameron, but thank you for your message. And then, unfortunately, um, there's this one that's come through as well. Uh, thank God Rowie realises other people are suffering also with the same support he and Doherty got. You make out these players to be superheroes, Sam. They play footy. I have two mates much less fortunate than AFL footballers, and they're struggling. Keep things in perspective, I reckon. AFL footballers are not gods. If I've ever given that impression, um, I apologise to you. I've never once in my life thought that AFL players are gods. Uh, I just thought that that was an interesting story to share given what some of the players and um, this is a sports station. So it's um, a sporting story, which I thought might be one of interest, but I'm sorry if that hit a nerve with you and I hope that your mates are doing okay. I wish them all the best and I hope they're doing okay. Um, as well as they can. Thank you for your message all the same. Uh, Cam Zerha is going to miss the next uh, two matches. Hotspot was detected on his foot. A uh, couple other bits of news here. Geelong's Gary Rowan and Reece Stanley are pushing to be uh, available for Friday night's clash against the Dogs. Tom Lynch retired today, former Crow and now at North Melbourne, who was on their rookie list, but he's a development coach there as well. That'll give the Roos a second selection at the mid-season draft tomorrow night. Um, so the Order for the first round, West Coast, North, Essendon, Adelaide, Giants, Hawks, Gold Coast, Port, Collingwood, Richmond, Sydney, Geelong, Carlton, St Kilda and Frio. That's the first round. Um, 
Tom Rogic has withdrawn from the Socceroos squad ahead of their crucial World Cup qualifier against uh, the UAE. Uh, there's plenty of French Open. Everyone gearing up for Novak v Rafa tomorrow morning at Roland Garros, the quarterfinal, 4.45am for that one. And apparently Broncos' Payne Haas has uh, done a backflip on his threat to walk out. He's had a crisis meeting with the club. Sporting Capital next. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.